0: Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 82, Good Hoshi. I was all ready to tell you about how a driftwood pile is the same as a yarn stash, but I'll save that for the next episode because yesterday morning happened and that has driven out all other thoughts and stories. So kick back and put your feet up because I'm going to tell you the story of how Hoshi got his breakfast at 7am instead of 8 because he is a good guard cat. At 5.45 Sunday morning, I heard a car horn sound a few times nearby. That's early for someone to be picked up for church, I thought, muzzily, completely forgetting for a moment about COVID-19. In my defense, 5.45 is very early to be awake. Over the next few minutes, I heard it a couple more times. Geez, go to the front door already, I thought. People are trying to sleep here. That was when I, and Randy and Hoshi, heard a big thud that seemed to come from somewhere on the exterior of our house. Hoshi went into high alert. He crept to the side of the bed and looked towards the front of the house. Some more thuds, not as loud, and he jumped off the bed and began to creep forward. Randy got up. I'm just going to follow him, he said. Use his senses. I watched the two of them slowly go down the hallway out of sight. A minute later, Randy came running back into the bedroom, chasing Hoshi ahead of him. Someone's in my truck, he hissed, as he hurriedly opened his underwear drawer. He had followed Hoshi to the front room, and because it sounded like someone was trying to get under the house, he was looking out the windows without moving any of the curtains, and that was when he saw the truck rock. At that moment, he told me, his only two thoughts were, Gaunch and gun! Gaunch and gun! Gaunch achieved without tripping, he ran to the front door and grabbed his pellet gun, which we keep there because there's a cat that terrorizes Hoshi and we use it to scare the little bugger off barefoot he ran out into the rain at this point i had gotten up grabbed my glasses and ran to the front window i watched him go around the front of the truck rap on the passenger window and say what are you doing in there the truck rocked randy went around to the driver's side took another look inside lowered the pellet gun took a step back and stood for a moment don't worry buddy i heard him say then we'll get you out of there Well, he's being really nice to the intruder, I thought to myself. Is someone in medical distress? Should I get dressed since I know first aid? Get my phone to call 911? He went to the passenger side door, pulled the door handle and ran backwards. The door didn't open. He went around to the driver's side then and did the same. And because that's the slightly downhill side, it opened easily. He ran to the front lawn, which surprised me until I saw the big, black, furry head rise out the open door. My stomach dropped. Randy started yelling. Get going now, go on! He fired one pellet at the truck to encourage it. The truck swayed dangerously as the bear hopped out, then stopped and looked back at him, huffing. Get out of here, he shouted, and fired the last four pellets at the bear's side. They impacted, and they were enough to send the bear slowly moseying off towards the backyard. Very, very slowly. Randy came back into the house just shaking from adrenaline. He said that at first he couldn't see into the truck because the windows were all fogged up. When he yelled the first time, there was movement, and all he saw was black fur. On the driver's side, a big eye looked at him. That was when about 70 different thoughts went through his head. How do I get it out? Where do I run? What can I do? This gun is not adequate for this situation. But he knew the only way to get the bear out was for him to open the door. He went back out to take some initial pictures of the rather impressive amount of interior damage, closed the truck door, then came in and washed his feet, and we were back in bed shortly after 6 a.m. We talked to a conservation officer later that morning and learned a lot about this particular bear. Apparently it knows there may be food in cars and has learned how to open car doors and has been doing so for the last few weeks to the point where people have been organizing a crime watch not realizing it was a bear. As to how it got stuck in the truck, we figure when it got up inside the rocking from its weight closed the door behind it as it's an older truck and the driver's door is light in the hinges. There was no food inside, just an empty trail mix bag, which I discovered when I cleaned it up later. So if the bear hadn't gotten stuck inside, it probably would have wandered off without doing any damage, and we might have thought we were also the victims of a two-legged intruder. So because Hoshi is a good guard cat, and alerted us that something was not right, the bear was only trapped inside for maybe five minutes tops. The honking was probably on its way in, the big thump when the door closed behind it, the other thumps as it tried to get out. So when Hoshi asked for his breakfast at 7 a.m. that morning, as is his usual want, instead of making him wait until 8, we fed him when he wanted to be fed. Good Hoshi. As an epilogue, the bear came back to the scene of the crime about an hour later, and we got some pictures of it. Then it was across the street munching on something it had scavenged later in the afternoon. The conservation officer set up a bear trap in the neighborhood, so hopefully it'll get caught and relocated to an area where it'll be less troublesome. In the end, the moral of this story is, keep food out of your car, keep it clean, lock your doors, and don't mess with bears. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. We are all okay. The truck is drivable. It is uh, a little worse for... Actually, it's a lot worse for wear. Let's not lie about that. Um, But it's relatively back together-ish. No, it's not. There are pieces that are in the garbage. There are pieces that are sort of held in place. But... It's still drivable and everything in some ways turned out just fine. But, you know, all of Sunday, we were just sort of walking around in a daze that that amount of adrenaline first thing in the morning was (laughs) interesting. And I said to Randy, you know, it just fits. You know, we're, we're in this supremely surreal time and this just sort of fits with the whole thing. But yes, everything is fine, and the bear to date has not been caught. So let's get into some of the spinning things. Uh, The Sunshine Coast Fiber Camp that I was going to teach had in September, that has also been postponed to 2021. However, I am still on their roster to teach Introduction to Plant Fibers in September 2021 in Gibsons. So, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, a little disappointed, but it ah, not unexpected. There's so much that has been cancelled, and yeah, I, I really did expect that to happen. And, you know, by next year, we'll know more about COVID-19. We'll, we'll know how to manage it better. There may be a vaccine in human trials by that point. And yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. But I am planning ahead to 2021, and I'm thinking about the things I want to propose to different Fiber um, workshops and festivals. So I'll definitely be proposing for Fiber Week 2021 and olds, and I'm going to be looking at, you know, all of the festivals here on the BC coast that, you know, may be interested in having me as a teacher, which would be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, I am looking at doing some online teaching and I am in the process of working with someone to do my first one. So on June 14th, I'll be doing it on a two hour online lecture class type thing on the basics of woolen and worsted spinning looking at the the two different types of preparation, how to determine what they are, the the types of spinning that each one entails, and how, how to do that. So this class will be run through Spindlecorns, which is a group of master spinner students who were going to Gaelic College, and I would have been their level two teacher last year if the class had had enough students to go ahead. And so they've started to develop, they've been having a, a, a spin in. And so now this is starting to develop into kind of an online spinning guild. So if you're interested in seeing me talk about spinning and answering any questions or, or all of that, the class will be $20 and you'll pay that in the uh, the currency of the place you live, either Canada or the US. And if you're interested in attending from uh, a different country, join the Facebook group. I'll have the link in the show notes and talk to Eileen, who is organizing everything. I'm really looking forward to it. The session will also be recorded. So it will be available at a later date for people to access. And I will also be making up a a handout to uh, provide to the people who come to the class. So yes, spindle corns, like unicorns but with spindles, on Facebook or email me if you're interested in more information. I've been working really hard the last few weeks on my spin-off article, and that's basically taken most of my time because of course it's due by June 1st. And in fact the samples have to be down in the States by June 1st. So I'm close. I'm I'm about halfway through the second last swatch. And I have one more to do, uh, blocking six of them. And while they're blocking, I can start on the first parts of the article and get that written. I'm doing the same swatch pattern. The, the article is based on my in-depth study. And so I am still doing the same swatch pattern as I did for my in-depth study three years ago. Four years ago? Give or take three or four years. I knit that swatch 44 times. I knit the shawl that also included those stitch patterns twice, and now I'm knitting it again. And I am still really sick of this swatch pattern. I mean, I've back, I've, again, it didn't take me very long before I realized that I still basically had it memorized. So I've been kind of sitting with that because I've wanted to get a tattoo to commemorate finishing the Master Spinner program and I'd contemplated getting this swatch pattern tattooed on my body. Yeah, that's out of the out of the picture now. That's not even... That's not even... I'm not even contemplating that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I'm on the second last swatch and d- despite my hang-ups about the pattern, It's been really interesting going deeper into some of the assumptions and thoughts that I had at the end of my in-depth study and trying to figure out if they were in fact true. And, you know, I have a feeling that once I block these last six swatches, I'm going to be surprised, which is going to be super fun and very interesting to write about. So that article is going to come out in the winter 2021 issue of Spinoff. And yeah, hopefully you'll all uh, have a chance to to read it come January. But before that, I actually have an article coming out in Ply in the next couple of weeks in their supported spending issue. So that is in the summer 2020 issue. and, And if you've subscribed to Ply, you'll you'll get it. You may still have time to subscribe if you aren't. But I worked together with my friend Jessie McKittrick. She's a knitwear designer in uh, Edmonton. I wrote an article and spun some yarn. And she took that yarn and turned it into a beautiful cowl or, or scarf pattern. Because it's it's variable depending on how much yarn you actually spin. My article is less of an instructional article and talks a bit more about the confluence of spinning and mental health that occurred in my life in 2019. So, I mean, in some ways it does still talk about, you know, the the aspects of supported spinning that, you know, one needs to master, but, but it's more about the the personal journey that I went through and how spinning was a part of that. So if you happen to get a hold of that issue of ply, I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get back to level five. We're on to module D3, which is the specific twist per inch skeins for, that we do in level five. And I talked last time about how these ones are very interesting. and And I'll tell you why. These particular skeins, every single one of them, pushes these fibers to their limits either at the lower end or the upper end so you again you spin a one applied yarn no uh, specification on the number of plies at one twist per inch the second one is a three ply yarn at two and a half twist per inch using wool then a plied yarn at three TPI using Lincoln plied yarn at five TPI using silk plied yarn at six using a medium staple wool applied yarn at 7 using cotton, and applied yarn at 10 using merino. These are not the easiest skeins to spin by any stretch of the imagination. I think I spun about four tries at that last one, the 10 TPI using merino, and that one, finally I got it when you're spinning to specific twists per inch you have to be able to troubleshoot and that is one of the things that i didn't quite learn in the master spinner program none of my teachers really taught it to me and that's what i'm trying to you know, in part to my students when I when I talk to them about spinning to specific twists per inch. There are troubleshooting things that you can do, you know, in this case, you can't switch fibers. The, the, the fibers are, are specified for you. But if you're having trouble hitting a particular twist per inch, say a high twist per inch in cotton, switch to silk. See if that will help. Or switch to a fine merino if it's, you know, not in that 10 range. Because 10 is about the maximum twist per inch in a two-ply yarn that you can get with merino and still have a a pretty, you know, unless you're spinning frog hair, that's totally a thing. But the other thing to remember about merino too, is because it's such high crimp, you can spin to that specific twist per inch. And because of the crimp, it will plump up and you won't get there. So these are some of the factors that you have to think about. No yarn is complete until it's finished in water, and that will change your twist per inch. On uh, one of the others here, six twists per inch in a medium staple length wool. So your Cory Corydales. Six twists per inch means 12 bumps in an inch. That's really fine for a medium wool. A three-ply yarn with two and a half twists per inch. That means you're looking for six, seven and a half bumps in wool in a three-ply yarn. Still a lot of math there and trying to make that all work. So... These are challenging ones to spin. I got a comment here. I did well, well done, but I did lose marks. In a lot of cases, my twists per inch were a little variable. And that's the other thing about specific twists per inch. You have to be able to spin at an even grist, which means your preparation has to be solid and your, your spinning, your, your grist and your spinning has to be really, really good. I got close on every single one of them. My one one my one tpi yarn was more one and a half. My two and a half tpi was between two and a half and three. My three was between two and a half and three. My five was between four and a half and five. I mean that's really close. So I did really well on on these particular things. But as we've talked about before, because of the issues that I have with my hands, my grist won't be as even because I can't feel it going through my fingers, not to the level I need it. So when you get to level five and you're doing these specific twist per inch yarns, it's really, it really is sort of just a, a, a push on your skill as a spinner to be able to spin evenly and to the specific twist per inch and to be able to troubleshoot and figure out why, say for example, your 10 TPI merino is coming out at nine, might be the crimp in it, or or what have you overall these were i don't want to say fun skeins to spin they were challenging and and it is a way of challenging yourself as a spinner to to do that technical spinning if you feel like it i mean some people don't that's fine but to do that technical spinning and and you know see if you can actually do it So that's module D3 for level five. Next time is module D4, where we talk about woolen spinning, the different types of woolen spinning, and how it all works. Fiber notes. Because I've been working on the article spinning and knitting almost exclusively. I haven't had much of a chance to do uh, much other fiber arts. I've gotten a few rows in on a couple of projects. I think I got two rows in on the blanket and a couple rows in on the Alberta shawl and all of that. But really, I've been knitting this interminable swatch again (laughs) and working on that. And I've also been out gardening because it's beautiful weather and we're still quarantined or locked down. And we've had some rain and rain makes the blackberries that I just finished cutting back grow again. So that's gonna be an all summer thing every week or so. I'm gonna to have to go out and just pull back all the blackberries that have sprouted in the intervening time. And eventually I will get them under control. We also have six planter boxes that we have filled with some fruits like strawberries, some vegetables and some herbs. So that will be really fun to see if we can actually make some food. And the last thing that I've started doing outside is um, working on getting all the greenery out from between the bricks on our front patio. And today I discovered that the patio actually has an edge and it's way back in the lawn. So it's really kind of exciting. And the other thing that we are or I'm working on. I've just planted them and they haven't come up yet, but I'm working on growing some flowers for our wedding. The wedding is still on. We have a possible new venue. I need to go down this week and talk to the person about it, but I'm really sort of planning it as if we're still pretty well limited in terms of the number of people that can be together in a group. I mean we have no idea how everything is going to go. We for all we know people won't be able to fly. There will still be restrictions on travel or restrictions will start coming up again. We just it's it's such a a time of uncertainty. So I'm making arrangements to uh, stream the wedding so that those who cannot physically be there can still be a part of it. Because that is really what's most important to us is, is to have the people that we care about there and being able to, to be uh, some kind of witness to us getting married. And if it's only us and a couple of our friends from around here, and uh, then so be it. But hopefully, we'll be able to have a few more people than that but if not then we'll figure it out my friends at the guild here have completely stepped up though i had given one of them the extras from my wedding shawl of the yarn that i'd spun and she made the most beautiful yardage out of it It's i can't even describe it it's just wonderful and now another one has taken on the next piece, which is to make a vest for Randy out of it. So she's working on that. And it just, you know, it makes me feel just grateful that there are so many people here that just care and are willing to, to give of their time and skills to, to make this happen for us. So, yes, it's probably not going to look like we originally intended it to. It's probably going to be extremely different, but we're still on course to get married in September, whatever it's going to look like. So once I'm done the swatches, which, again, I'm really close, I'm going to do some other things, some fun things. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make an extremely small dragon. I have a friend uh, in Vancouver who, in fact, had come down with COVID-19 and has since recovered. And she had posted a link to this pattern, but she does not crochet. Uh, I crochet, and I like a challenge. So I said, I will make one for you. So that's my next project. And when I say it's very small, I mean that. The crochet hook I'm going to be using is 0.4 millimeters and the quote unquote yarn I'm going to be using is one strand of embroidery floss. And yes, I am crazy, but on the other hand, I I really like this kind of stuff. Uh, Way, way back in the day when I used to cross stitch all the time, I did a very large piece. One over one on 32 count fabric took me a long time, and I think it came out to about 5 inches by 7 inches. And I happened to enter that in the Western Showcase at the Calgary Stampede, and I won best in class. I have a little gold medal for it. And But I, I love this kind of stuff. I love the small stuff. You know, I, I break up my 5 millimeter needles, and I feel like I'm knitting with tree trunks. So the pattern, it's a little fiddly. I read through it but it's totally doable, you know? And I have a magnifying glass if my eyes aren't up to it, so (laughs) we'll see how that goes. So once I'm done that little dragon, then I'm gonna get back to the Alberta shawl because I am really close on that one and I'd really like to get that finished. So yes, between gardening and those kind of things, I'm keeping busy and yeah, I'll just keep working away on all of my projects by the wayside it took me a while to get back to the accolade I had planned to sit down on Sunday and work on it a little bit before I started recording and then the bear locked himself in the cab of the truck and that sort of didn't happen that day but it happened yesterday and you know I, I sat down in the afternoon and pulled it out and worked on it and you know what it i i'm glad i waited because i felt i felt okay about it and i oh, sorry hang on a second hoshi it's not dinner time no it's not yeah i love you too <laughs> Maybe he'll be quiet now. So I sat down yesterday and worked on it. And I got done the parts I needed to get done to move the Q-snap. And that felt really good. You know, and and when I moved the Q-snap, I I took it all out. And I took a picture of it. And, oh, I am so close to being done. Like two, maybe three more moves of the Q-snap. And I am finished. And that feels good. feels really good. So yeah, I I can only work outside for um, a while in the morning and then again later in the afternoon because it gets too hot in the intervening time. And yeah, we'll be starting to get ready to get Randy back to work. But, you know, there'll still be a bit of time in the day where I can work on the accolade at least a few times a week. So, you know what? Look for more progress in the next episode. I'm getting there. I'm definitely getting there. Thank you for joining me for episode 82. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 83 on May 31st, 2020. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefibreside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefibreside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.